What's going on, guys? Pump Handle Podcast coming at you with a small package, taking a look at the weekend's events in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, NXT TakeOver Toronto, and the Survivor Series. Let's start off with taking a look at NXT TakeOver, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal, and a lot of people thought it was going to be absolutely phenomenal. The crowd was super into it. Um, Rude and Dillinger did a great job. I thought it was a great match. I mean, you had a couple of Canadian guys out there. You knew it was going to get a huge pop. Um, it once again, Rude picks up the W. So, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Dillinger at this point. Maybe just keep him around until he makes some sort of splash at the Royal Rumble. Hopefully coming in at number 10. 10. 10. Because if he comes in at any other number, that would be fucking stupid. Right? You're listening out there? Good. Um... The finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, eh, I mean, the Authors of Pain are still so green. I mean, they do the job they need to do in the ring. They're big, they're menacing, they're evil. Paul Ellering, obviously, you knew he, even though he was in that stupid shark cage, was going to get involved. Um, so the match did what it needed to do. It cemented the Authors of Pain as an upper-level tag team at NXT, puts them on the fast track in the tag team division. I still think they need some work, but overall, I thought the match did what it needed to do. Um, the revival against, uh, DIY, uh, Ciampa and Gargano for the NXT Tag Team Championships, two to three falls, hands down, no question, absolutely, the Tag Team Match of the Year, bar none, no questions, there's no debate, Tag Team Match of the Year, it was unbelievable, great wrestling, um, lots of suspense, lots of really, really close Two counts, big spots, big moves. And then you had Ciampa and Gargano winning at the end, finally getting their tag team championships uh, and finally climbing to the top of the mountain, um, which led all the build up to you know what they were going to do if they lost and all this stuff. So I thought it was a fantastic match. Like I said, hands down, WWE Tag Team Match of the Year, not even close. Oscar um, and Mickey James was probably the weak point of the night for me. Uh, they just didn't have any chemistry. It didn't seem like Asuka and Mickie James had really any chemistry in the ring. I mean, when you had a card like you did where the Revival and DIY were just on and they were, you know, very in sync and you had Joe Nakamura on after who are very much on the same page, Asuka and Mickie James for me was just kind of flat. I mean, you know, you knew Asuka was going to win. Like, what do they do with the NXT Women's Division now? You can't really promote Asuka to the main roster because... You don't have a suitable replacement yet. So, again, you know, the match kind of asked more questions than it answered. What are they going to do with Asuka? Like, you know, not that I'm saying I want to see, like, Mickey James beat Asuka with a, with a roll-up or anything like that and, like, shock the women's division. But, you know, it's just, it's interesting. I'm not sure where they're going to go now. Um, Joe Nakamura, the rematch, uh, again, a humongously great match. Um, a lot of people said it wasn't as good as the first match. I disagree. This was more of a Joe match. It was slow, methodical, very powerful, very physical. Um, it was a great match all around. Um, Joe ended up, you know, getting the low blow kick outside, slammed him on the stairs again, got him in the ring, you know, ended up you know, hitting the muscle buster one, two, three. You know, it was a great match. Um, it obviously shows that neither of those guys are going to the main roster um, right away, because you're obviously going to have Joe Nakamura 3, probably at TakeOver San Antonio, which I assume they're going to have before the Royal Rumble, um, so then they'll have the rubber match there, and then I think one of the two of them will be leaving for the main roster after that, 
And my guess would be it'd be Shinsuke Nakamura, but hard to say. Um, but either way, it was a great match. NXT TakeOver Toronto was, was a phenomenal card. Um, like I said, there was a few low points, but even the low points were really, like, not bad. Like, you weren't sitting there, like, stabbing yourself in the eyeball wishing that this match was over. Um, so, speaking of stabbing yourself in the eyeball wishing it was over, let's go on to Survivor Series, which had an extremely tough act to follow, and literally there's not a single sane person in the world who would have thought they would have been able to do it. Um... So, taking a look through the matches, I expected more out of Miz and Sami Zayn. I really, really did. I knew Miz was going to win dirty, but I really expected more out of the match, and I just didn't get it. Um, I expected more out of Kalisto Brian Kendrick. It was a good match. Um, Kendrick picks up the win via DQ, um, which is kind of surprising. We all thought if there was going to be a DQ, that the DQ would be in Kalisto's favor, and then, you know, the, the cruiser, Kendrick could stay the champ, Cruiserweight still going to SmackDown. Not the case. Maybe Baron Corbin fucked up. Who knows? Um, but either way, that leaves some cruiserweight division questions. Um, the three um, Royal Rumble style matches, the tag team match was just whatever. I mean, the New Day went out really early, which was, I was like, okay, that's good. Let's get them out of there and let's do something else with this match. Um, Sheamus and Cesaro winning at the end, coming together on the same page for a few minutes. That was nice to see. I mean, I have to admit, as much as I hated the Sheamus and Cesaro pairing um, a few months ago, and even as much as a month ago, it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Um, they've actually made this angle work, which is fucking crazily surprising, given how shitty the writing and the creative has been in WWE as of late. Um, so now they're going to get a tag team match tonight on Raw. I can't see them winning, um, but whatever. Maybe they'll have a big blow-up and they'll split up and that'll be the end of that. Um, the women's match... I mean, it was interesting. I was interested to see what they were going to do with Nia Jax. They did pretty much what I thought they were going to do. You know, they got her in a couple of big, short, short length, big spots where she just came in and dominated. And, you know, then she was eliminated by, I don't know, dubious circumstances, perhaps. Either way, um, Charlotte and Bailey ended up winning for Raw. Charlotte turns on Bailey, beats a living shit out of her at the end. Um, not all that surprising. I mean, they've got a pay-per-view in a month and the Royal Rumble the month after that. So you got to start laying the seeds for that. So, you know, good on them for, uh, you know, kind of having a bit of foresight and not leaving the Survivor Series just be done and over with and us having to wait and see what's going to happen. So we all know Charlotte and Bailey now is going to be a, going to be a thing. Um, the men's match, it was interesting i mean it was an hour and almost 20 minutes long which i thought was a little longer than it needed to be um the whole show i mean they made this big deal about telling us that it was going to be four hours it ended up being three hours and 20 minutes i mean why wouldn't you just have leave, left it at three hours cut a little bit off the men's match and then go over on time by five or ten minutes i mean it's your network why bother changing it to four hours i have no idea uh, why they did that. Anyway, whatever. What's done is done, I suppose. Um, so, the men's match, um, I hope Shane McMahon is okay. Uh, if you watch the replay of that coast-to-coast -coast where he got caught with the spear, he hit the back of his head on the mat so hard. Uh, and then it was obvious there he was supposed to get pinned for the 1-2-3, uh, and he didn't. Um, he ended up pulling his shoulder up. Uh, like, un unreal kind of stuff there. Like, that was bad. Um, and Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton pick up the win. 
respect the alive. Oh my God, unbelievable. <laughs> Bray Wyatt, all he needed to pick up a big win on a pay-per-view was have Randy Orton as his teammate. Oh, and his partner. Oh my God, unbelievable. Uh, again, it wasn't, you know, it was a really slow developing match. Ellsworth holding Braun Strowman out of the ring for the count out from under the ring. Oh my God, that was priceless. But anyway, so, and then on to the main event, which everybody is talking about today, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. All the build for literally a month was about this match, and it literally lasted a minute. Like, Goldberg's entrance was twice as long as the match. Now, I'm joking me. Now, this tweet, I, I sent out a tweet before the match uh, on Twitter, at PumpHandlePod, and said, watch this uh, spear, jackhammer, 45-second squash match. And I was kidding. I was not being serious. And then it happens. Spear, spear, jackhammer, one, two, three, it's over. Good night. What the fuck was a lot of people's initial reaction. My initial reaction was that of a little more calmer person, um, where I kind of thought, okay, let's, I'm going to sleep on this, and I'm going to think about it, and let this process. You didn't want them to have a 15 or 20 minute match. I mean, they had a 15, 20 minute match in their primes 12 years ago, and it was absolutely horseshit. Brock Lesnar is not a good wrestler anymore. Goldberg, I mean, he's been out of the ring for 12 years. So what did you expect them to go out there and do? Roll around for 20 minutes? Um, and just beat the living hell out of each other? Um, I don't know why they didn't have a, a street fight where they could use weapons and things of that nature. Perhaps Goldberg or Lesnar, uh, probably Goldberg, probably nicks that. Especially considering his wife and son were at ringside and didn't want to see him getting beat with every weapon under the sun. So, I mean, you know... I kind of understand why they decided to go that way, but literally, they have now derailed Brock Lesnar as the guy that he was. He was the man. He's the guy that broke the Undertaker's streak. Do they not remember that? He killed John Cena. He has killed everything in his path. He beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. He beat the Undertaker on another occasion. Didn't he end up winning that feud with the third match, or did he end up losing them both? I can't even remember. Because my mind is so clouded about Brock Lesnar now. What do you do with Brock Lesnar? Your big part-time beast who comes out, kicks ass, beats some of the top guys in the company over the last several years, and now he got squashed in 45 seconds by a guy who's been out of the ring for a dozen years. Good luck getting yourself out of this one, WWE. That's all I have to say. I hope they have something big planned for Raw tonight because they have some major, major, major reconstruction to do to the character of Brock Lesnar if they ever want it to work again. Unless, now this is, the only thing I can speculate is that Brock Lesnar has come to them and said he wants out. And if Brock Lesnar wants out, and that was the way to get rid of him, was to do a 45-second job to Goldberg. I'm okay with that. Otherwise, I don't know how he, how he comes back from this. I really don't. 
Anyways, guys, thanks for watching the Pump Handle Podcast small package, my review of the weekend's events in Toronto. Let me know if you're watching on YouTube down in the comments below what you thought, uh, what your ups were, what your downs were. Let me know. Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes or Google Play, uh, make sure you hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pump Handle Pod. Until next time, peace.